Welcome to Her Talks, a conversation on why women's health matters now, presented by Her Health EQ. My name is Greta Malk. I'm the content developer for Her Health EQ, a global nonprofit focused on deploying medical equipment to improve women's health in underserved regions worldwide. At Her Health EQ, we believe that women are the cornerstone of the family unit and communities at large, and when we give women in under-resourced geographies the tools they need to survive and thrive, the benefits clearly extend to their children, families, and nations as a whole. Her Talks is our quarterly panel with innovators, researchers, healthcare professionals, philanthropy experts, and more, where we discuss how we can use our strengths to achieve women's health equity. The episode you're about to hear was our second Her Talks panel, which originally aired on January 19, 2021. In this episode of Her Talks, the panelists discuss how public and private partnerships can further social impact around the world. The panelists first give examples of global nonprofit partnership programs. Then they discuss how to develop successful partnerships and what brands look for in partnership opportunities. Last, they discuss the meaning of empowerment and how partnerships can contribute to developing and measuring it. This episode is a conversation between four experts, Faith Legendre, Jennifer Ianolo, Rachel Svetnoff, and Andy Levy. Faith Legendre is a circular economy specialist and an accomplished resourceful system strategist with 15 plus years of experience with 200 plus organizations worldwide. She's a highly sought after speaker with 45 plus industry speaking engagements globally, and she is an inclusion and diversity champion and ambassador. Jennifer Ianolo is a global development catalyst for women founders. She's the founder and CEO of Imperia, a global innovation incubator for women around the globe, which has welcomed women from 21 countries into its cohorts with a goal of 195 countries participating by 2030. Jennifer is also a global keynote speaker and featured expert on women's entrepreneurship for the U.S. Department of State Speaker Program. At the time of this recording, Rachel Svetnoff was the Caring Crowd Program's lead at Johnson & Johnson. Since then, she's become the founder of the Global Futurist Initiative, a startup with a mission to prioritize youth equity issues and global agendas. She's also now a foundation partnerships consultant for UNICEF USA. Andy Levy is the vice chairperson of the board at Her Healthy Q and the president of East Park Drive. East Park Drive creates corporate and promotional partnerships for NGOs and some of the world's most esteemed cause-based organizations by connecting companies and brands to the partners and projects that best align with their CSR focus. His portfolio consists of a wide range of national and global programs that support the UN Sustainable Development Goals. All of their social media accounts and anything you hear in this panel, including a transcript, will be available in the show notes at www.herhealtheq.org her-talks. I am so excited to share with you Volume 2 of Her Talks, Public and Private Partnerships. Good morning, good afternoon, evening, depending on where you are joining us from in the world. We know you've probably been to thousands of Zooms by this point, and you might be exhausted by them, but we're delighted that you chose us today. As the old saying goes, if you have your health, then everything else follows. And when we have healthy women involved and leading within all sectors of our companies and communities and societies, we all win. Welcome to Her Talks, put on by Her Health EQ. Today, we're going to have an authentic conversation around public-private partnerships. It's a tongue twister, right? <laughs> Say that six times fast. And I'm delighted to be accompanied by this wonderful, incredible panel today. So let's start off with getting to know a little bit about who we have on our panel. Jennifer, can you start us off? Sure thing. Um, I'm Jennifer Yanolo and I am the founder of Imperia, which is a global innovation incubator for women around the world who are working in social impact in a way where they want to change the world, whatever that means to them. So I'm based here in New York City. 
um, which is kind of a mini globe of its own, which makes things interesting. And I'm here today because I think there is such a compelling um, methodology and, and impact that can be made through public private partnerships. So I'm looking forward to the discussion today. Thanks, Jennifer. We're delighted to hear your insights. And on to you, Rachel. Hi, everyone. My name is Rachel Svetnoff, and I'm the program's lead of Caring Crowd, Johnson & Johnson's global public health crowdfunding platform for nonprofits to raise awareness and support projects to improve world health. I am located here in Indiana, home of Purdue University. I am in West Lafayette. It is my alma mater. I'm proud of it. I'm also proud to be a Notre Dame alumni too, so I have to represent both schools. <laughs> and I'm here today because I am excited to support women's health equity. Um, I love the work that Her Health EQ does, of course, led by Marissa. And it's one of my passions because my mother is my inspiration. Uh, she is a widowed mother of two kids um, at the time. Uh, who had to start over in life when my father passed away unexpectedly and going through like those hardships of joblessness, homelessness, and even losing health insurance made me want to help others, especially those vulnerable to health and economic disparities. Wow. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing that personal story. Sure. I think those are the type of stories that really inspire all of us and make us know that we're not alone. So thank you so much. Andy, last but not least on the uh, panel here today, if you can introduce yourself, say a few words, and maybe a personal story that inspires you. Sure. Uh, I'm Andy Levy. My company is called the East Park Drive. We are a cause partnership agency. I work with the United Nations, uh, Earth Day, a couple of countries around the world, uh, and I'm a busybody uh, helping to put different organizations together with different brands. Uh, we try to raise awareness and support for uh, a whole variety of issues, mostly around the UN's Sustainable Development Goals. And I'm here because I'm proud to be on the uh, advisory board of Her Health EQ. So always uh, looking to promote um, the work that they do um, and happy to be here. Well, thanks so much, Andy. Let's start back in with you, Andy, because I know that you've been in this industry for a long time and you've taught me all the ins and outs of public-private partnerships and you're kind of my go-to person around that. So I'm sure you have some great examples. Can you share those great examples of public-private partnerships with us here today to kick us off? Sure. I always, uh, I'll mention too, I, I always think of the Walgreens partnership with the UN Foundation. They have a program called uh, Get a Shot, Give a Shot, which is part of uh, the UN Foundation's Shot at Life program, uh, which is a vaccination program, not the current kind of vaccinations, but vaccinations uh, for mostly kids in the developing world. So Walgreens uh, created a partnership with the UN Foundation where you get your flu shot there and they will pay to vaccinate a child in the developing world. What's great about it is it drives traffic to the store. So there's a business uh, return. It's great public relations. They're really sincere about what they're doing. They're not going there to do the vaccination, but they are uh, funding the work of the UN Foundation. Very simple to do. Everybody wins um, really good all the way around. Um, the other one is uh, a project I'm working on in Jamaica right now around food security with a big brand there. They've been growing cassava um, as part of their, uh, their production, 
but not very successfully. So the UN, uh, UN Environment Program and some other groups are coming in to help support them to uh, have a much more efficient program, eliminate importing corn syrup from the US there. So eliminating that carbon footprint, putting people, particularly women to work, uh, working on soil regeneration because it's organic farming, hydroponic farming, vertical farming. So it's a win-win again, uh, all the way around. But again, you have to put all those moving parts together. Uh, that's kind of the, the, the secret because the other part of it is to then sell uh, the other produce that's being grown there to the resorts, hotels, farmers, uh, I'm sorry, uh, grocers, even the cruise lines um, so that the cruise lines don't have to take as much with them when they go there. Um, so uh, just two examples. That's a great example. I love both of those and really, you know, the secret sauce is in those localized shorter supply chains. So you're really making that happen, but also investing in the community as well. Exactly. So it's a win-win-win. It's Fantastic. Yeah. Rachel, over to you now, if I may, please. Sure. The phrase public-private partnership, it's not totally reflective of the involvement of all the key stakeholders, namely nonprofits. So can you shed some light on the nonprofits and how they contribute to these partnerships? And I know that you have a great background in this and have a really unique position working with this sector directly. Sure, yeah, thank you. Um, while international donor agencies are prioritizing partnerships that leverage skills, resources, and networks of the private sector, it's rare that businesses are the ones that are implementing the programs themselves. And that's where the nonprofits really come into play. Like they, they would even, provide contracts or grants to nonprofits um, and, or, and development organizations to conduct efforts on their behalf, albeit with a little bit of significant technical and managerial oversight. So it, it's really that these implementers need to develop close working relationships with corporations and serve as kind of the linchpin between the donor agency and the corporations. Um, and it's just my thing where I believe that if the development community wants to scale and replicate like these partnerships models, we need to have a clear understanding of the contributions of different stakeholders, namely one of them being nonprofits. It's great. Uh, they're included in the mix, not in the name, but definitely included in the mix. Right. Andy, back over to you, kind of a follow-up to that. Mm -hmm. uh, what can an NGO or a nonprofit do to create a partnership? Well, they typically have uh, someone in development. Uh, it should be everyone's job. Um, but I think uh, from where I stand, uh, the nonprofit and the NGO know what they do and they know what they stand for. So that's, that's a given. Uh, the, the trick is knowing what the brands care about. Um, that's how I work. That's what I, I'm always talking to somebody about something or other. Um, but uh, there are some links that I know you're going to share later to some online um, publications mm -hmm. that uh, every day have press releases come out and there are stories about what brands are doing what. So you'll see who's working in your space and then reach out to them. Hey, we, you know, our, our missions align here. Let's, let's talk about doing something together. That's great, Andy, and I will definitely, so that's, that's what everybody has to stay for, definitely, so you can, I'll post those links at the end so you can copy and paste those from the, from the chat there. All right, so um, now over to you, Rachel. How can we ensure that these stakeholders are being given a seat at the table in the midst of the partnership building? 
sure thing. I, I think that it starts with recognition and it start and and to follow up with that, it's recognition of like doing talks like this that incorporate like the the contributions of nonprofits or other sectors that typically don't get highlighted. And then it also stems into like being advocates and champions. Um, mm -hmm. At least what we do at Caring Crowd is that we love champion our nonprofits. We try to get people in touch with each other. We try to 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 advocate and to really champion like what they're about and and we absolutely love doing that it's it's part of like our dna um in who we are and what we try to do love it and i'll post that link as well to karen kratz yeah. at the end so stay tuned so you can get those goodies those takeaways Okay, Jennifer, now we've looked at this, you know, kind of taken it apart so we can understand it. Andy gave us some examples and then we had some best practices. So Jennifer, take us up to the 30,000 foot view to the global arena. What can pu public private partnerships look like on a global scale? Oh my goodness. So very many things. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of where, you know, you're, you're building the spaceship as you're flying, I guess. Sure. Um, but you know, when we're looking at global, it, it is so hard to quantify this in a way that's meaningful, right? Because as Andy said, the, the women on the ground, well, for us, the, the women on the ground in Imperia are the experts in their field, whether it's you know working with children with disabilities or uh, in the tech sector, whatever it is, we, we sort of, the way we're doing this is we see Imperia as kind of a clearinghouse for ideas where we can then go and, for example, next one month, we're debriefing the US State Department on the COVID response from our members in South Asia. What have mm -hmm. they done? What have they built? So um, for us, it's really how can we get information into the hands of people who need to know what's happening at the 10 foot level, and then looking at what does that mean you know, from a larger scope, which I know mm -hmm. we're going to talk about a little bit as well. So it's kind of the, you know, we're constantly zooming in and out <laughs> to see what questions need to be answered so that we can provide information. Outstanding. I love that because it's, it's that collaboration and that sharing. So what's working yeah. in one community all the way across the globe could also possibly work in another community on the other side of the globe. Exactly. Fantastic. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just as an example, you know, there's a, a young woman that is, creating a program in Nigeria for uh, children during COVID who do not have access to laptops. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to connect her here with organizations in New York that have managed that because it's the same situation, right? Lack of Wi-Fi, lack of resources. Yeah. So we're trying to see how we can connect the dots. The whole idea with Imperia was to make the globe smaller so that we can solve problems together. So it's more of that information sharing that I was talking about. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's been a real issue. I know even here in the US, it's been an issue with um, students that had that were sent home and then they didn't have, you know, Wi-Fi at home, their parents can afford it or yeah, right um, here in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, or the, it's just the signal was just not strong enough to have, a, 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 you know, the video um, in their area. Uh, as, as a follow-up, Jennifer, you talked a little bit before about the impact. So, you know, looking at this from a global level, how do you measure that impact from a global level? Well, you know, this is one of those questions in progress because okay. before we started Imperia, we tried to find some good solid data to work with. And of course, you know, WHO puts out information, so does the UN, but we were trying to find some deeper questions about the lives of women and what it looks like in particular countries. And that's that more granular data is hard to find. 
So through Imperia, we, we tried to look at people with projects that would impact a hundred people as a minimum. And from there, we're going to measure over time, how does that exponentially grow based mm -hmm. on what these women are doing? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a, we're building the research as we research, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, because we're trying to figure out what the questions are to answer because there are, you know, there are global demographics that, that paint a picture, but there are some very specific examples that I discover um, because I travel around actually with the State Department working on women's entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So I was in a Scandinavian country um, two years ago where everyone thought was a great example of something that works, everything was great. But then I had women pulling me aside after mm -hmm. I came off the stage to say, hey, something we don't talk about here is the, the really high levels of domestic violence that don't get reported. So, so you have to sometimes dig way under the data to find out what's actually going on in a society. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's where we are looking to the women, again, on the ground to tell us about these problems. Mm -hmm. So then we can really do something about them. Wow, that's incredible. And thank you for that, that work and, you know, not accepting the first answer and digging deeper, because I think that's the, those follow up questions and that appreciative inquiry is what's going to get us to the success. So thanks for Definitely. doing that great work. Thank you. All right. So back to you, Andy, because I want to pick on something you said, you said, I, I focus on the brands, what they're interested in. What does a brand look for when they're engaging with an NGO or a nonprofit? Can it dig, dig us deeper into that, please? Well, it uh, has to align with their mission. I, I think most brands at this point have figured out what they care about, what they stand for, uh, for hopefully. There's a lot of new titles out there, <laughs> head of diversity and inclusion, head of sustainability, which is great. Um, uh, but I think, uh, so, so they've, they've figured out what they care about now, it's how do we execute? Mm -hmm. um, how, do we, how do we create thought leadership opportunities? How do we create employee engagement, employee engagement opportunities? How do we get our employees involved? Because now this is an HR issue. Um, in order to attract and retain talent, mm. you need to say what you care about and what you stand for, uh, particularly in industries that are, uh, I, I would say vanilla. Um, mm. uh, retail banking, mm -hmm. you know, not much difference uh, between the standard banks. But if this bank cares about what I care about, I'm more likely to go there. And I don't mean to pick on the banking industry, but it's just an example. Mm -hmm. um, and the other is a way to create content, uh, particularly now mm -hmm. that we're all online and it's social media as opposed to Super Bowl spots. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it, the company, their ad agency, the PR firm, they were looking for content around how, to, how is the brand supporting uh, and executing on what they care about. What are they doing that we can then grab and, and distribute that, that information to get it out there. So uh, a, a nonprofit or an NGO that's willing to uh, work that way with a brand uh, is great. Sometimes they're like, well, no, 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 we, we won't do that. Well, then no one's gonna play ball with you mm -hmm. if you don't you know, uh, allow the brand to leverage uh, their support. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, you do see more around uh, um, the brands talking about uh, stakeholder primacy instead of sh just shareholder primacy. And those stakeholders, you know, really do involve the, uh, the host communities that they're in and, um, 
and a myriad of other things. Like, uh, you know, I keep seeing this phrase, uh, it's, you know, it's beneficial for people, for planet and for prosperity for all. Um, and, and it's all around kind of, you know, wrapping in around the purpose. I think uh, if we all work towards purpose, then the rest kind of falls into place, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. This is really interesting stuff. And I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking some mental notes here <laughs> for, to, to pass on to a lot of folks that I know. Here's, a, here's the opportunity here where I'd like to switch it up a little bit because you've heard enough of me asking questions, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'd like to open up to the panel to ask questions of each other. It's a little unique thing I like to do during panels. And so I'm gonna start with you, Jennifer, because I know you were thinking in advance, you said, I have some questions I'd like to ask folks on the panel. Yeah. So feel free. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, and this this is the topic of conscious capitalism. Um, it's interesting, right? It's become this buzzword now, this buzz mm-hmm. phrase. But I distinctly remember the moment in way back in 1994, um, I was a senior at the Stern School of Business and we held a conference on social responsibility through entrepreneurship and what that could look like. Mm-hmm. And I remember giving my keynote to open the conference and there was just dead silence and there was just they were like what on earth are you talking about and we had Aveda there we had share our strength there so so companies that were approaching things differently even back then and to now see I mean Andy everything that you just talked about right everything that is happening it took 30 years ish Um, but it's, but it's finally like, it it can be considered that you can do good and do well and everybody wins and it's a good thing. And so it's, it's really heartwarming for me to see. Um, and I'm just wondering from, you know, Rachel, from your perspective and Andy, from yours, you know, we talked about the sort of companies have to show up well to hire well. But what other trends are emerging in this conversation of conscious capitalism? What does it mean internally, Rachel, at, at Johnson & Johnson? Sure. I, I, I think that at least the trends that I have seen personally is about authenticity. Um, I was, like, we see that, like, that partnerships are becoming more strategic and, and more aligned, et cetera. But I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to how authentic you are and yeah. how much uh, uh, the, the brands and the nonprofits truly believe and even like our consumers truly believe in what we're doing is real and, and for the good of everybody. Um, being a millennial um, and also like understanding like the way Gen Z works, like they, they don't wanna see any social responsibility that it feels like it's, it's just doing it out of a sense of obligation or duty. Um, it's, They'll it's call very, you out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, you know, we're, we're about, we, we would even, and then and a trend that I've seen emerge is that we're even willing to purchase something more for, because, because it's eco-friendly or because it's, it's a, there's this, a stand that this brand took on a social issue. Um, I know that I have applied that myself, um, as well as, as just seeing it anecdotally happen, like, you know, across Twitter, like we hear about these boycotts, we hear about these, like, Hey, go to this brand because, you know, their, their product is, you know, they're, at least they're taking, you know, a, a stance behind social justice or, or racial equity, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. for me, um, it definitely it's, uh, it's about authenticity. Yeah. Andy. 
Rachel, I know you had some questions too. You wanted to ask the panel. You're like, this is oh, a good opportunity. <laughs> Let's go over to you for the next question for the panel. Well, I wanted to, I, I was curious if, if Andy was going to also answer that too. So I just wanted oh, to. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't, uh, yeah. Oh, Andy, let's give uh, you an opportunity. <laughs> you know, I, I think um, with the pandemic and uh, the rough year that we've just gotten through, um, I, I think brands are looking for opportunities this year to do things that are not COVID related. Uh, yeah. Thank goodness a lot of brands stepped up and did what they could do. But uh, I'm hearing, okay, what have you got for this year? What's coming up? A lot of it's virtual still, and that's being accepted. Um, Earth Day is going to be mostly virtual. Last year was the 50th Earth Day, yeah. and we were expecting half a million people on the National Mall and couldn't do it. Yeah. And this year, they're like, okay, well, let's just do it virtually. And they have other programs, but... but um, uh, brands have, are reacting great to that. They accept it and they're, they're uh, hungry for those kinds of opportunities um, uh, in a variety of, of causes and such. Uh, so I think that's a great trend coming up this year. Uh, would you guys agree seeing that too? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From the other side of the coin, I really hope so. That's great. Yeah. I mean, we don't, I mean, I mean, with Johnson and Johnson working on the COVID-19 vaccine, it, it's, a, it's a little bit related. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, I mean, we, we like to, we like to see like other, for example, at least on Caring Crowd, we like to see other campaigns and, and love supporting them. But um, one of, one of our initiatives that we did was for some COVID-19 related campaigns, uh, one of our other departments, Global Community Impact, also uh, uh, kicked in like some seed funding for us. Uh, for those campaigns that related to COVID-19. So that was something that was, at least with 2020, was really bringing people together and getting employees to really step up and get involved. We saw some remarkable campaigns from helping um, uh, from helping food banks to providing school supplies to children to, to even providing like medical relief packages. Um, it, was, it was a lot of good work that we, that we saw like, you know, uh, at least through our eyes, like seeing people like really implement it and step up. It was, it was quite remarkable, honestly. Um, so there was a little bit of silver lining there with, with COVID-19 at least. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, would you like Rachel, would you, yeah, you want to continue on with your question? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I cut so, you off there, Andy. <laughs> this Jennifer, but I would, I, I want to see Andy, I want to I want to hear it from Andy too, and I'd be happy to even like share share my example first. Um, so, but to start, Jennifer, how would you define empowerment, and how do you implement your perspective into partnership building? Good question. Yeah. So you know, empowerment is one of those. Um, it's one of those things that I approached less from a definition and more from a question of source and application. Um, so what I mean by that is a lot of times we hear about empowerment in the context of we're going to go and empower girls in India, right? We're going to empower women to learn or empower women to start companies. And in this whole inquiry of all the work that I've been doing over the last decade, I started asking the question, well, okay, if we're giving it, that means we can also take it away. 
So that does not provide any sustainability. And we see it happen again and again in the world of charitable models, right? Mm -hmm. Charity leaves, there's a mess, and then what? And so it's this very sort of feel good, quick solution that's not really a solution. So when I'm talking about empowerment and when I'm working with these women around the world, it's really more about how does a woman create and sustain her own internal source of power Mm. so that it never leaves. And so everything that we do in the incubator is focused around that because, you know, governments collapse, economies collapse. Um, We have women dealing with rolling blackouts so they can't Mm -hmm. get on the call for the incubator or, you know, they're, they're in fear of being kidnapped or they might be arrested in particular countries for the work that they're doing for women. So we're trying to make sure that they have their own sort of solar power inside so that they are always at source of creating what they're creating. Incredible. Wow. <laughs> I know that's, and that's all idea. done through that's these great. private public <laughs> partnerships, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think to kind of, uh, to, to share my example, I'm part of a nonprofit organization called uh, JB Dondolo Inc. We remove barriers of access to clean water, sanitation, mm-hmm. hygiene. And for, for, from us, and, and the way that this project actually got started was through Caring Crowd. That's how I met and got involved with the organization. So it is very much, you know, um, an integrated, very organic connection. Um, but w- with us, we didn't, um, we, with JB Dondolo, like we knew that there were problems, you know, with this clinic that needed addressing. And it wasn't until our founder and president Lumbi Mwamba went to that center that she understood that that everything came from water. Like it, the community said, if you gave us water, like we, we won't even need the, cl- like we would even sacrifice the clinic for it. And the fact that like women and girls share, bear the most responsibility for collecting water for, for everything. Like it was, it, it, it was almost like it, it was intuitive that we knew that like with, with our sense of empowerment and, and this is kind of related to, to you, Jennifer, is that with with this perspective in mind, like we knew like that we needed to implement like this solution and, and a solution that was sustainable for them for the long term. Uh, this project happened in 2012 and it and today like we've been able to to help like a community of 20,000 still have that access to water. Um, recently, one of our current projects is Matopa Hills. It's called Water for Widows in Matopa Hills, Zimbabwe. And and, and it's also focused on women and girls. It was kind of like it, it naturally occurring, but like the theme that we were seeing was that it was very much affecting women and girls. So it was it was very much, it is very much like a, a part of who we are and a part of like our sense and even like my own definition of empowerment is implementing sustainable solutions. So that way they can take ownership of their own health and their own needs. Um, so yeah, that's just a bit about my own. Mm-hmm experience and I guess definition of of empowerment. Yeah. Well, and that's how we create the global change, right? It really, it it is, if there's anything I'm really clear about, it's person by person by person, right? It's Mm -hmm. not this big thing that we sort of lay on top of society. It's one person at a time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Bravo. Andy, any further comments? 
uh, about empowerment. I think, you know, obviously a lot of these programs are there to, uh, to help people look at her healthy Q. These are women who don't have access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. Talk about empowerment to, right. to be alive and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on the, on the corporate side, empowerment is um, letting everyone in your company know that you're working on this project as opposed to just the people that are in the C-suite or the people that mm-hmm. are the, in, in sustainability or whatever. Um, I can tell you, I do some work with Geico. Geico has a thing called Geico Cares, which is all about their employees saying, I wanna support this particular nonprofit and they'll create some kind of matching opportunity. That's great. Pepsi is famous for not having a head of CSR because they want it to be everybody's job. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Look at Johnson & Johnson. I mean, fantastic work on a, on a whole bunch of different issues. Um, uh, but yeah, I, so obviously you're helping people and empowering uh, women in particular, uh, but also the people in the company um, Great. feel good, want to support it, want to volunteer, want to tell their kids, want to get, you know, get involved. Yeah, I've even heard of some studies these days um, around, you know, from uh, doctors and whatnot, when people and, and employees feel that they're doing rewarding, purposeful work, you know, w- with these partnerships, um, they're actually healthier. There's, uh, there's, there's trying to, I think, find the connection. There's supposedly some kind of protein. Don't, you know, you, I'm sure Rachel, your, your scientists would be <laughs> rolling over right now. Because <laughs> they're like, what is she talking about? But um, it really, it really is, um, it's meaningful to give the employees that, uh, that purposeful work and like to talk about it, you know, not like you said, Andy, not just with the, the C-level people, but with the entire organization. So a lot of these organizations have um, Slack channels now and they have these, you know, so you can start the, the messaging there and then have people join. I know when I was at a large company, I just, I'm passionate about circular economy and getting people on board and forming these partnerships. And a lot of the salespeople came to me and said, Hey, I have a company that's interested in this circular economy. So, um, you know, we'd love to get together and, and, and uh, talk about this and see what we can, the impacts that we can make. So, and it's, and, you know, it wasn't from a presentation to a C-level person. It was, you know, like you said, from, from the ground up, you know, with, with the whole community of people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So we have a few minutes left here. I know, Jennifer, you had some more questions too for the panel. So this is your opportunity. Ask away. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, my biggest question uh, for both of you really is about measurement, right? And, mm-hmm. and kind of how you are crafting the measurement of the impact of what you're doing. Um, I'm just curious to know what that looks like for both of you. Rachel? Sure. That is something that we are currently working on. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just like, Ooh, that's a fantastic question because it's so not straightforward. Sure. Sure. So uh, at least like with the way that we have done so thus far, um, and so, and, and, and to kind of tease about what I'm going to be implementing, uh, is that we started with looking to see like, you know, how, how many lives that we've touched, um, with, with caring crowd, we touched over 1.3 million lives and counting, of course, um, through, and the way that we measure that is by having the nonprofits first, they would, uh, 
before the project is launched, they would estimate that, but then it's later verified and, and revised as the projects are being implemented. And we build that, that trust with our nonprofits very much with the way that we operate, um, both the co-founder John Brennick and myself, is that we like to make sincere connection with each individual nonprofit uh, to learn what they're about and, and to understand their story. And, and building that trusting relationship really drives um, these, these measurements, honestly. And we have had, uh, at least uh, with the year 2020 to date, which was last measured through December 1st, a 96% success rate for our campaigns funded on Caring Crowd and wow. overall 88%, which is humongous. It's actually larger than any, or it's, it's a greater success rate than any other crowdfunding platform. I'd um, say. We've been able to see at least publicly, like, or at least uh, that we have seen publicly measured uh, by comparison. And we've been able to fundraise uh, about four million for 150 not over 150 nonprofits uh, with people who are benefiting from over 50 countries, and we have now just reached our 600th successful campaign from the time mm-hmm. we launched. That is incredible! Congratulations. Mm-hmm. And something and you- I have implemented was the sustainable development goals aspect. Uh, we have helped advance 13 out of the 17. And what we're hoping to do is look through like the targets and indicators and see where those have aligned. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just, that's more of like a passion project of mine. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I, I believe that it's really important because if we are to do this together and, and kind of like hone in on this theme of partnership building is that we need to focus on these type of global goals that everybody wants to achieve to make the world a better place. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's, at least average slash measurement wise. Yeah. Yeah. One point, was it 3 million people? That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Was that, was, that was just with one camp, one? No, camp no, no. <laughs> that was from all that's the, the total, yeah. That's yeah, from all. Yeah. Whoa, that's a lot. <laughs> you, you would, you'd be in the Guinness Book of World Records for the other one. <laughs> <laughs> but still one, I mean, it's just so nice to see these big numbers of um, real impact. And you, and you start, like you said, Jennifer, you start with one person at a time, and you know, yeah. that, that 1.3 million start with one person, right? That's incredible. Exactly. Andy, any questions for um, the two ladies on our panel today? Oh my goodness. Um, if you don't have any, that's all right. It's okay. I <laughs> don't, I'm just, you know, it's always great to, to talk with people who are doing great work in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of all you guys. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to be the guy that makes a few connections here and there. You know, you, uh, uh, Jennifer, you asked about uh, data and, and collection and all that yeah. stuff. I, you know, I take people out to lunch for a living and make <laughs> phone calls. So it's not my area. I didn't have any, any answer for you there. That's, um, that's fine. But you guys really, really do the work. It's, it's great. And I, you know, it's been so great to work with Rachel and refer a lot of the nonprofits I work with to her. Um, uh, yeah. Just, you know, it's a, it's a joy to do this work. Uh, I'm sure you all, f- all feel the same way. It really is, yeah. yeah. Well, we have a question that's come in from our panelists. And be- so with our four minutes left here, I'd, I'd love to uh, share Mahima's question. Um, she says, first, thanks for this great panel. And so she talks about, um, you have touched on uh, public uh, partner uh, partnerships. My question is on a similar lines. Being from a small town in India, seeing the lack of healthcare facilities and investing uh, past year in market research. What I have seen is that, let me keep scrolling here. <laughs> uh, 
um, what I've seen is that there are multiple innovation solutions. We know there's no you know, limit to the innovations that are out there. Some being led by private entities, some by public. I keep scrolling here. On a bigger scale, when we talk about more sustainable, equitable frameworks, this requires, this, uh, requires for integrated solutions for different pain points. What is the scope of a consortium formed by partnership between multiple private and public entities, focusing their efforts and resources to solve the common bigger problem? If you could shed some light on that. Excellent, very detailed. We wish all our questions were this perfect. <laughs> so who would like to take Mahima's question? Well, there are several organizations, obviously the United Nations um, working all over the world on a whole bunch of issues. Uh, and then there are separate entities within the UN. Um, they uh, always welcome inquiries. Uh, you can just reach out to them. There are, there's uh, Business Fights Poverty, there's uh, CECP, there are several organizations. Um, you guys are probably members of some of them. Um, uh, uh, and I think we, we posted some of them, or maybe we can post later on the Her Healthy Q oh, site, right which now. you can go visit. Um, some of these organizations uh, that are uh, um, not conglomerates, I'm sorry, what was the word that you, that you used? Consortiums. Consortiums. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of companies, brands, um, NGOs, et cetera, et cetera. There are, there are plenty of those out there. It's just a, about getting in front of them. Jennifer, Rachel, any responses to Mahima's question? The first thing that came to my mind was listing off all of the ones in global health. So I, I thought of like the Consortium of Universities for Global Health, the Bay Area Alliance for Global Health, um, and, and it's just so many more. So at least like within the global health space, um, we've been able to see that consortiums do play a large role in tackling some of these, uh, these, these larger issues. And even in ways that didn't start off at first, they've, they've been able to tackle things like along the way and and in their own way like come up with their own niche of being able to to do to, to do these solutions in ways that like uh, single partnerships can't um i think it just like the old adage says it takes a village to raise a baby it takes it takes the world to help the world you know it does yeah 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 yeah, and there, there is actually in India, uh, one of our partners is 1M1B, 1 million for 1 billion. Um, and they've been bringing together actually teenagers transforming India. And they've had a lot of projects around health, everything from like mobile health trucks that go to villages to, you know, so we are starting to see organizations like, uh, even like with what Imperia is trying to do, we're trying to kind of build that as well. But, but yeah, they're doing a lot of great work in India. Great. And, and Rachel, if you could just say those organizations one more time for people to, to oh, note. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so can the, court, the Consortium of Universities for Global Health, uh, the Bay Area Alliance for Global Health, uh, Women in Global Health. <laughs> the list is going to go on, but I think those were the main three that I mentioned. And yours as well, Jennifer? I, um, so I posted oh, perfect. in the chat, activate1m1b.org. <laughs> Great. I think uh, Mahima now has some research some to, to do, do. <laughs> lots, of, <laughs> lots of links to dig into in organizations and some reading. Hopefully, uh, Mahima, we effectively answered your question for you. I see you nodding. Thank you so much for that question. 
All right. I think we're right at our time. Um, let's, let's end with your inspirational one quote that you'd like to leave us all with. Um, something either fun or funny. And uh, then we'll, uh, we'll close the meeting and we'll make sure that we have this posted on the website, on the Her Healthy Q website. Please go there because we'll have all these links there. Like Andy said, um, it's a great, uh, great organization to read about and share with your different companies and uh, different groups. So who should I start us off? Well, Andy, let's, let's go with the, the lettering here. Your first name starts with oh. A. So. <laughs> yeah, when I was in kindergarten, I wondered why I was never first. It always went by my last name name. Like, oh, uh, well, here's your chance. Now you're first. Here's my chance, finally, after all these years. Uh, look, it's going to be a great year. Uh, it's going to be better than last year, but um, this is the year. We're back in the game, uh, signing the Paris Agreement tomorrow. Um, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, a lot of motion in the ocean and around the planet on a whole bunch of issues. Um, you know, get involved, learn about what you can do, and uh, participate. Oh, that's good to leave us on there. And how about for you, Rachel? Yeah, for me, it like, and, and it's even in my email signature, it, it's a quote that I try to live by every single day. And it's by J.R.R. Tolkien. And if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, kudos. <laughs> and, and it goes, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. So there are always going to be factors that are out of our control. But what we do have power, what, what we are empowered or enabled or enfranchised to be able to do, it now's the time to 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 implement that, to, to take advantage of it and to apply it in, in every day of our lives. So my dad was a big JR fan. So I heard a lot of those quotes. <laughs> That's great. It reminds me of Mary Oliver and, you know, what are you going to do with your one wild and crazy life? Right. So great impact. Right. And Jennifer, how about for you? Uh, two very short ones. One is uh, one a friend said to me years ago, and it is to leave people better than you found them. And the other, just to kind of wrap up this crazy roller coaster ride, is wine is bottled poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. We will we will leave on that note. So again, check out the website, uh, Her Healthy EQ, so we can, um, you know, uh, share that recording with you through that medium. And many thanks to Marissa for all these wonderful her.talks um, and bringing us inspiration as well as information for our companies and ourselves. Thank you so much, everyone, and stay tuned for the next her talk. <laughs>